Welcome to our 45th episode of Two Tankers in a Kit. We're your host. I'm Charlie. And this is Russell. Russell, we have got more Patreon users and everybody's been messaging us and it's just tremendous. What do you think? Oh man, that's great. I've been trying to get responses back to all the messages they everybody keeps sending and well, keep uh, them coming though. That's yeah, great. Absolutely, guys. Uh, we got a message from uh, Craig Moore and he's going to send us some stuff, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, uh, he is. We're finally going to get a actual signed copy of Craig Moore's book and we will be giving it away. Yes. If you've been, you know, reading Craig's stuff and uh, you're like, you know what? I really want a signed copy. He's going to send us one. Yeah. yeah. It'll take a while coming from the UK. <laughs> yeah. The other thing, uh, I was checking our uh, stats, and we have one listener in a place called Man Island. Have you ever heard of it? Man Isle, yeah. Man, Man Isle. Man Isle. And, and I, I'm looking at it, and I said, I have no clue where this is. <laughs> it, it literally says Man Isle, and I'm like, I have no clue. Welcome to the education of the United States. Exactly. So it, we found out it was an island between the UK and Ireland. And Ireland, yeah. So if you're our one listener there, thank you so much. Well, yeah. You, you've you increased our knowledge. Exactly. Like I said, we're not stupid. Well, we're just uneducated. Yeah, they didn't they didn't teach us that in geography in high school. So No doubt. Uh, and it was a you know, fairly yeah. good-sized place. So I was, like, shocked by that. And then we got a message from our uh, good friend, Hector. Yeah. And Hector has moved up in the world. He has. And uh, moved his uh, mechanics genius and went to what part of Wyoming? The boy of Wyoming. Where that new tank museum is. Where the is. new tank museum is, yes. Believe it or not, we are going to get up there. We will. Uh, we are planning to fly up to Jackson Hole and uh, do the Grand Tetons and spend like two, three days up there when it opens. Yeah. As soon as this stupid pandemic stuff. I know. Uh, yeah, they were supposed to open, I think, on Memorial Day in May for their grand opening up there. And I think they had to push it back because of the, the virus. If you guys get a chance, swing by their website. We'll try to put it up on our Facebook Yeah. and, and give them, you know, love on there. Uh, we're looking forward to hanging out with Hector. Yeah, that'll be neat. <laughs> we'll bring Hector a coin or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, Slam Jammin. Yeah. He sent us some stuff about South Korean special forces that were, uh, I guess, going to assassinate the North Korean dictator. And when yeah. they called it off, they mutinied. And, yeah. So we're we're going to use that yeah, for... We'll, we'll look into that a little more. Yeah, we're going to do a story on that, maybe a second point or something yeah. at the end of the show. Yeah. Gosh, what else? Uh, beyond Ben, I think he said, come on down to Texas and drive a leopard tank. Yeah, drive a tank. We're planning another trip down there because I need to go to Mexico and do things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah never mind. You have to ask Charlie about his last trip to Mexico and oh, uh, no. I about didn't make it back to... The good old U.S. of A. Now, now, uh, um, um, <laughs> I, I didn't know she was an undercover oh, cop. Oh, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, oh, 
to make everybody happy and get off that subject, how about a joke? Here's a really good one. Hey, Russ, what kind of shoe does a frog wear? I don't know. Open toed. Oh, oh no. wow. All right. Well, you just lost half. Ooh, there, yep. There went our listenership. There's one of our listeners. Um, do we have anything else to mention? People contacting us and stuff? I think that kind of covers it all. It's It's uh, been a pretty busy last couple of weeks. You know, the only thing I had to say was, uh, you know, our New Zealand fan club down there. Yeah. Uh, come to find out, uh, Tony's wife can't cook. Oh. Oop. You wasn't supposed to say that on oh, the, oh, on the oh. podcast. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, no. Uh, uh, yeah. Now the whole world. Charlie, Charlie won't be... Oh no, we'll get invited. Uh, it's just when I when I'm passed out <laughs> yeah. in the front yard and after drinking New Zealand beer, I'm gonna wake up with lumps on my head. <laughs> and she's gonna be sitting there with a rolling pin going, uh, Oh yeah. gosh, a dingo or something must have <laughs> a Tasmanian devil must have come up and bit you on the head. <laughs> yeah. Invite Charlie. Oh. Yeah, because I'll tell you right now, if I'm passed out drunk. Russ is not going to help me. No, I won't. He, I promise. Russ is the kind of guy that'll grab a black ma- magic marker and you know you'll wake up with a join right must- in, yep. mustache and <laughs> a penis on your forehead. Wait a minute, can I say penis? I don't know. I did <laughs> well. Okay. Um, today we're going to talk about the French. We have dogged the French. I was listening to some of our old episodes, and uh, I think it's time that we talked about a positive thing and uh, a little insight about what the French were actually doing. A lot of people say the French just threw up their hands and gave up and they, they didn't, Yeah, you know, the people didn't, the government, mm, yeah. you know, like any place, don't judge a people by its government. Yeah. But we won't get to that subject. <laughs> we need to do a podcast on that and talk about <laughs> corporations and conspiracies. They uh, actually developed a tank called the ARL 44. So we're going to be talking about the French tank uh, ARL 44. And um, I think we're going to touch on some uh, their use of the Panther tank because the French use the pan- Panther tank. Yeah. Let me get started. Okay. The ARL-44 was a French heavy tank, the development of which started just before the end of the Second World War. Only 60 of these tanks were ever completed. From 1949 onwards, the type proved to be unsatisfactory and was phased out in 1953. Okay, Russ, tell us about the ARL-44. During the German occupation, some clandestine tank development took place in France, mostly limited to component design or the building of tracked chassis with either a pretended civilian use or with a Kriegsmarine destination. These efforts were coordinated by CDM, or the Camouflage du Matériel, a secret Vichy army organization trying to produce materiel forbidden by the armistice conditions, with the ultimate goal of combining these components into the design of a possible future 30-ton battle tank armed with a 75mm gun. The projects were very disparate, including those for a trolley bus, the Caterpillar du Transherion, a regular cross-Sahara track and rail connection, and a tracked snowblower for the Kriegsmarine to be used in Norway. Firms involved were Lafley, 
in Lorraine, also a military design team in occupied France, and it was headed by Maurice Leverrier. So the French knew they were needing something. They could see the writing on the wall, but they had to pretend it was for civilian use, like the Germans did before World War II. This is kind of interesting. Go on, Russ. When in August 1944, Paris was liberated, the new provisional government of France did its utmost to regain the country's position as a great power, trying to establish its status as a full partner among the Allies by contributing as much as possible to the war effort. One of the means to accomplish this was to quickly restart tank production. Before the war, France had been the world's second largest tank producer behind the Soviet Union. On October 9, 1944, the Ministry of War decided to start production of a char de transition, or the transitional tank. Now see, I had no clue before the war, France was the second biggest tank producer. You know, right behind the Soviet Union. Yeah, I had no idea either. That is, yeah. That's good That's yeah, good stuff for us. Go on. However, French pre-war light and medium designs had become completely outdated, and there was no way to quickly make up for the time lost and immediately improve their component qualities. The ministry hoped it might be possible to compensate for this by sheer size. A large and well-armed vehicle might still be useful However, obsolescent its individual parts were, especially as the British and Americans seemed to be behind Germany in heavy tank development. Having no operational vehicles that were equal to the Tiger II in its combination of firepower and armor. An important secondary goal of the project was simply to ensure that France would in the future have a sufficient number of weapons engineers. If these could not be employed now, they would be forced to seek other occupations, and much expertise would be lost. That's basically true. The Germans had the heavy tanks, and they were working on it. And did they German heavy tanks have problems? Sure, absolutely. We had the Shermans. But we've talked about Sherman was the tank that we needed at the time. But they were also trying to develop the Pershing. They saw the heavy tank need in that particular battlefield or arena, I guess you would call it, you know, they came up with the Pershing. So they were trying to, but here's France, you know, that had been occupied down there, not occupied. And they got to come up with something. Consequently on November 25th, it was decided to produce 500 heavy tanks to be designed by the DEFA in which engineers from the former APX and AMX design teams were concentrated and built by the ARL the Army Workshop. Already in October, it had been decided to name the type ARL-44. The specifications were not at first overly ambitious and called for a 30-ton vehicle with 60 millimeters of armor and armed with a 75 millimeter SA model 1944 long 70 gun, rendering a penetration of 80 millimeter steel at 1,000 meters and developed by engineer Lafargue from the 75mm CA-32 gun, conforming to the earlier CDM intentions. It was hoped that 50 vehicles could be delivered per month from May 1945 onwards. That's kind of hopeful. You know, with all the damage they had and all the factory parts that were was actually taken out of their country yeah. and taken to the Germans. Yeah. On December 28th, the order for the 75mm tank was reduced to 200 vehicles, 
The remaining 300 would be produced after a choice had been made between two heavier armaments, the 90mm CA model 1939S with a muzzle velocity of 840 meters per second and a Canon de 90mm SA1945 gun with a velocity of 1000 meters per second. At the same date, 200 ACL1 turrets were ordered. So it sounds like a good plan. They got their engineers together, they sat down, took what they knew of German tank design and what they've been doing for civilian use, and, and started work, and even had the foresight to upgun, if you will. As France had been rather isolated from engineering developments in the rest of the world, the designers based themselves on types they already knew well, mainly after the Char B1, the Char G1, and the FCM F1. Contrary to what some sources state, the ARL 44 was not directly derived from the earlier ARL 40 project. It tried to use the components developed between 1940 and 1944, though most soon proved to be incompatible. As a result of the reliance on older types, the ARL 44 was to be fitted with a very old-fashioned suspension system with the small road wheels using the same track as the Char B1, limiting maximum speed to about 30 kilometers per hour. The suggestion to use a more modern foreign suspension system was rejected as it would have compromised the tank's status as a purely French design. A Talbot 450 horsepower or Panhard 400 horsepower engine was envisioned. Progress was very slow as there was a lack of resources and much infrastructure in the Paris region had been destroyed. Even finding paper and drawing materials was difficult. See, this is starting to make some sense to me. They're just starting to come out of occupations, like I said, or like you said, and most of their industrial infrastructure was gone or old, and their engineers were even having a tough time finding paper to work up designs. You know, they hadn't had access to other countries to look at their tank design. Sure. You know, because they were occupied. Yeah. So it was a tough time for the French tank builders, you know, but they pushed on. They pushed on, yeah. In February 1945, a meeting took place between the engineers and the army. The tank officers quickly pointed out that building a tank, according to the original specifications, was pointless, as such a vehicle would be inferior to even an M4 Sherman, a type that could be obtained for free from the Allies in any numbers so desired. It was therefore decided that the ARL-44 would be fitted with 120 millimeters of sloped armor, bringing the weight which even in the conceptual stage had already grown to 43 metric tons up to 48 tons. The armament should consist of the most powerful gun available. Sadly, this would probably be the American 76mm, or with some luck, the British 17-pounder. 90mm guns had not been made available by the Allies. Okay, there are tons of these 76mm, because remember we talked that the Sherman could fit the 76, but we, you know, most of our generals were like, no, we're, we're fine. We don't need it. Yeah. Uh, and we found out later that they did that need they it. They did need it. Yeah. And, and of course the British had the 17 pounders laying around because they were, you know, building those in mass. Sure. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when it came to the 90 millimeters, 
They were like, nope. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're not going to give those quite, we're, quite we're, yet. We're not giving those away. So you're on your own there. You can have a 17 pounder <laughs> or a 76. Only a wooden mock-up had been completed by an engineering team headed by engineer general Maurice Lavrat when the war ended. However, the end of hostilities did not mean the end of the entire project. To maintain some continuation in French take design and bolster national morale, it was on May 23, 1945, decided to build 150 vehicles, even though there was no longer any real tactical need for them. On June 23rd, this was reduced to 60 vehicles, two to be finished in the first half of 1946. In March 1946, the first prototype could be tested. Still with 60mm armor, they built the ACL-1 turret used for the prototype, fitted with the American 76mm gun. This was later replaced by a Snyder turret based on the one designed for the Char F-1 and fitted with the 90mm DCA Naval AA gun, which had a muzzle velocity of 1,000 meters per second with AP rounds and 1,130 meters per second with HE rounds and a muzzle brake. The ARL-44 was thus the first French tank to feature this item. Firing trials began on June 27, 1947. The gun often proved to be more accurate than that of a Panther used for comparison. That is right. I forgot the French were uh, using some of the uh, captured German Panthers for their military right off the bat, like uh, that Bretagne Panther that's one of the tanks in World Tanks, okay. but it's in yeah. the, it's in a museum over in France yeah. too, that actually still runs. Uh, but we'll talk more about that in the second point. Mainly due to the change in armament, the development and production of the turret would be drawn out. It was not until 1949 that turrets could be fitted to holes produced in 1946 and placed into storage. Forty holes had been completed by FAMH and a further twenty by Renault. They were fitted with captured German Maybach HL230 600 horsepower engines. Output on those were about 575 horsepower. And those were brought back by a mission headed by General Joseph Molini in the summer of 1945. Repeating the course of events with the Char 2C, which after the previous war, had also received captured Maybach engines. Let's do my favorite part of the show. Give me the stats. The ARL-44 was designed between 1943 and 1947 and was produced between 1949 and 1951. They built approximately 60 of them. They weighed 50 tons. They had a length of 10.53 meters or 34 feet 7 inches. They had a width of 3.40 meters or 11 feet 2 inches. They had a height of 3.20 meters, or 10 foot 6 inches, and it had a crew of 5. The armor was 120 millimeters thick, or 4.7 inches thick, and its main armament was the Canon de 90 millimeter SA, 1945. Its secondary armament, it had two 7.5 millimeter MAC-31 machine guns, and it had a Maybach HL-230 engine. That engine was a V12 gasoline engine that cranked out about 575 horsepower, and it had a power-to-weight ratio of 11.3 horsepower per ton. It had a vertical coil spring suspension, and the fuel capacity was right at about 1,370 liters, 
which gave it an operational range of 350 kilometers or about 220 miles. And it had a maximum speed of about 30 kilometers per hour or 19 miles per hour. Nice, Russ. You know, I think it's important to note that this is the first tank that they built. They showed it, you know, and helped build up their national pride because the French, you know, were the second largest before the war, and, and they had to be proud of that. And if you look at some of the pre-war tanks that the French had, had they were just rolling bunkers. Yeah. So, and this thing's a big old thing. So, Ru- Russ and I have both played the digital version of this tank in the PC game World of Tanks. And we both enjoyed it. And actually, in game, it's a good tank. But in reality, Russ, tell us what happened to the ARL-44. On October 26, 1950, the type was reclassified as a tank destroyer. Okay, well, that's a, they changed it from a heavy <laughs> tank to a tank destroyer. They wow. had to come up with something, I yeah, guess. Yeah, The ARL-44s equipped the 503rd Regiment de Char de Combat, stationed in marmillion le grand and before the end of 1950, replaced 17 Panther tanks used earlier by that unit. In service, the ARL-44 was at first an unreliable vehicle. The brakes, the gearbox, and the suspension were too frail, resulting in several serious accidents. A special improvement program remedied most of these shortcomings. The ARL-44 made only one public appearance, and 10 vehicles actually participated in the Bastille Day Parade on July 14th of 1951. So we're talking... You know, that was their big thing. Yeah. They got to roll out these first tanks, and, you know, Bastille Day is a huge thing oh, in, yeah. in France. Yeah. So they have this huge parade, and, and can you imagine the pride of these people seeing these tanks, and, and people like me and you, yeah. that love tanks and everything, they see their country's tanks, and they were, they're unusual looking. Yeah. You know, but they look intimidating. They're seeing these roll down with the big 90 millimeter guns and, you know, all the sloped armor. And they're like, yeah, yeah, this is great. So that really did its job. Sure it did. Yeah. You know. When the American M47 Patton became available, which also had a 90 millimeter gun, they were phased out in 1953. In November 1953, it was proposed to either scrap the ARL-44s or use them in static positions to reinforce the border fortifications. On December 20th, 1954, it was decided to scrap them, and some were used as targets. Oh, no. Please, Russ, tell me the French didn't do the American thing and lose part of their history and at least save some. Five surviving ARL-44s. An ARL-44 can be seen in the Musée de Blindes in Samir. Okay, that's the tank museum... In Samir, or Samir, yeah, we're killing that name. I know, we, we, we apologize. Exactly. The only person that's been to France in this group is this guy, <laughs> uh, uh, Russ. And I really didn't know any French. They were begging, the, our Spanish club in high school was begging Spanish students to go because they didn't have enough French students to, to go on the trip. So oh, Wait a minute, this yeah. is actually a good story. So your Spanish class. yeah. yeah. You know, Spanish club, yeah. Your Spanish club. The the French club or the French speakers come to you guys and say, hey, uh, we need your money to make our trip yeah, happen. That's what happened. 
So, so I so, got to go to France anyway. But so you went to France knowing how to speak Spanish. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's that's a little insight on an American yeah, education system. It is, it is. But it was a fun trip. I've I seen a lot and learned a lot. And yeah, I bet. You know, my daughter flies there all the time, yeah. and I've told her now that I'm retired. Uh, you know, to put me on that free fly list yeah. and fly me out to France because I want to see this tank museum because everybody I talk to says it's a really good museum. All right, tell us about the rest of the survivings. There is another one that is a monument at the 501st to the 503rd Tank Regiment in Marmelon Le Grand. See, I would have said more melon. <laughs> Man, there is that may be what it is. You know, when we get to this museum someday, I'm going to be old and decrepit, uh, and some guy's going to walk up and punch me in the face. I, and I'll, say, I'll pay him to do it. Oh, thanks. That, that's my best friend there. Yeah, that's my buddy. There are two ARL 44s, which are basically wrecks that belong to the ASPHM Association in law. Wonsonau, France, and there's another wrecked ARL-44 with the 2nd Dragoon Regiment at uh, Fontevraud, France. Well, the French government needs to give the 2nd Dragoon's uh, wreck over to that uh, ASPHM association. Those three wrecks, maybe they can make one good ARL-44. In fact, uh, the ASPHM has a website uh, that we can post. Uh, it is in French, oh, yeah. but you know me, I, I, I get the picture book version. Yeah. And I'm like, oh look, they have tanks and they but have you cars. Can, but you can translate the whole web page with Google now. Didn't you know that? I'm old. I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I'll have uh, to teach you that one of these days. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Russ, we touched just so um, lightly on the French Panther tanks, which brings us to our second point. The French Panther. Now, I know we might get some hate from this, but there are a lot of Panther fans that have just deified or, or glorified the Panther tank. We've done an episode on it. And let's be honest, you and I are big fan- Panther fans. When we went down to Fort Benning with Rob, we loved the Panthers. Yeah. You know, I was so excited, oh, yeah. you know, to see them and, 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 incredible. and, and, you know, me roll around on them like, <laughs> you know, lightning on catnip. That said, it had a lot of problems. The main one being the final drive, which is, you know, just too weak a design and had an average fatigue life of only about 150 kilometers. So the final drive, you drive it 150 kilometers and it breaks down. And you're done. Yeah. You know, and oh, we're going to get some. Oh, pain. I know. We're going to we get some. Will. Pain. We will. On the other hand, the engine was not operable over 1,500 kilometers. The average life amounted to about 1,000 kilometers. Engine replacement accomplished in eight hours by an eight man team with the aid of a tripod beam crank. Well, you know, like the Shermans, yeah. they'd pop it out, pop, pop it in. It, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the whole transmission yeah. thing took, what, an hour and yeah. a couple of guys? Straight out the front end of it, and you were done. Yeah. The the running gear of the Panther uh, was sensitive to HE shells because, how do I say this without hurt, hurting anybody? I'm going to have to hurt some feelings. Well, yeah. uh, the engine compartment was watertight, uh, you know, and so gasoline and oil in the engine compartment would accumulate. In the engine compartment, a smoke grenade uh, thrown into the rear deck of the vent openings 
uh, on a Panther would cause a fire. You know, and if your tank's on fire, yeah, that's a that's a bad you're, thing. You're done, yeah. You know, they're like, well, it was watertight. Yeah, yeah. but engine and ga- gas and, yeah. you know, oil would build up. Yeah. And when they dropped a smoke thing or a regular grenade. Yeah, it's you, done. It, it's, it, you're done. The wear on many parts is greater than expected. Like the track and running gear uh, had a life of about 2,000 kilometers. But it didn't matter because, you know, like they said, you know, the, the engine lasted may- maybe 1,000 you know, act, actual life expectancy was mm-hmm. 150 kilometers. I mean, Russ and I have talked about Operation Citadel. Uh, when the Panther tanks from the initial detachment burned up from engine fires just getting off the trains. These are starting them up to get them off the thing, yeah. and two of them burned down to the ground. 200 pan- Panthers were sent uh, and were heading to the Battle of Kursk, there were only 184 operational Panthers that made it from the train tracks to the battlefield. And within two days, they dropped from 184 to 40. To 40 tanks. Now, Panther fans, relax. Somewhere in Ireland, I know Hillary Doyle is getting a big club and he's going to smash me in the head. He's a huge <laughs> fan. So, Russell, uh, with the negatives out of the way, please. Take some fire out of the fans and Hillary Doyle, uh, you know, tell us about the French Panthers. Boy, I'll try to put out the flames. I don't know. We'll see. The French used hundreds of the Panther tanks after the war, many of which were available in or near France for very little cost at all. Some were already in use with the free French, and they knew they could easily replace them when they had a replacement that had been left roadside. Not trying to start any more trouble because you're you're the good guy. <laughs> you're the good cop. I'm the bad cop here. <laughs> these Germans were driving these Panthers. They'd break down. They'd bail or they'd run out of gas and they'd bail. So they had hundreds. I don't mean like four or five. They had hundreds of these Panther tanks roadside. But they just left behind, yeah. The French compared the Panther to other Allied tanks and found the Panthers had superior flotation. Yeah, we've talked about that. They were Mm -hmm. watertight. They also had greater mobility, and this is directly contrary to the popular opinion that the heavy tank is slow and cumbersome. And the Panther did have some moves. I'll give it that. The German guns have a much higher muzzle velocity and no telltale flash. The resulting flat trajectory gives great penetration and is very accurate. And like we said, I never had a problem with the German guns. They were always accurate. The 88 was a German gun and it was feared. Um, Go ahead. German tank sights are definitely superior to American sights. These, combined with the flat trajectory of the guns, give great accuracy. Well, you know, going back to the guns, the 90 millimeter uh, that we had... Although an improvement, it still was not as good as the Panthers' accuracies and stuff. Give us another good point. German tanks have better sloped armor and a better silhouette than the American tanks had. Uh, okay, that's a given. Yeah. You know, the Panther does have some very nice angles on it. The French liked the Panther so much that 503rd operated a full battalion of 50 Panthers. So the French grabbed these Panthers and... and, and Made a whole battalion. Uh, All right. Cool. That's new. I didn't know about that. The Commander's Cupola, with its seven periscopes, provides a nearly perfect 
all-around visibility, and periscopes damaged by shells can be replaced very quickly. The Panther gun sight with two magnification stages is remarkably clear and has its field of view clear in the center. The gun sight enables observation of a target and shells out to over 3,000 meters. Once the commander has located a target, it takes between 20 and 30 seconds until the gunner can open fire. Okay. Uh, again, German optics. Yeah. German gun. Good angles. I'm giving you that. Exactly. I, I am. Yeah. You know, you're talking about a tank with a telescopic sight at the time that could go out to 3,000 meters and then have a gun good enough to put holes in whatever it's shooting at. The Panther could neutral steer. It could pivot in place by moving one track forward and the other backwards. And getting back to the gun, I, I know I keep talking about the gun. Their main gun could be replaced uh, using the same equipment within a few hours. You know, and any time that you can do something quick and get it back out sure. of the battlefield, yeah. that's awesome. The French managed to operate the Panther for several years. The automotive features of the Panther went beyond the automotive technology of the time. The result was a tank which was much feared when it reached the battlefield. Like I said, I had forgotten the French had used hundreds of basically these free Panthers. You know, they had left, been left roadside. And if you think about it, th they send their guys out. They pick these tanks up, bring them back to their base or a holding area. They've got hundreds of parts so they can actually keep this battalion with 50 tanks, like we were saying, moving and fighting. You know, I, all right. You know what? Free tanks and free parts. That's it. And, and with France coming out of the war and yeah. the economy tore up and everything, you know what? I would have done the same thing. Exactly. I would yeah. have done the same thing. Yep. So, and we're forgetting the other thing. The Panther had the infrared. Yeah. Which was high tech. Exactly. So the French base basically became like it is today because it had a good foundation mm -hmm. of these Panthers and, and, and the technology of the Germans at the time. And I'm sure they made their own improvements on the Panther. Um, if you do your own research, we're not going to do it. Like we've always said, we want you to crack a book. Another one that, to help take the fire out of Hillary Doyle, you need to read his books. I'm telling you, I finally got it, and I'm only in like, like 20 pages, and it's amazing. Um, the Panther, uh, you can tell that he might have a little bias because it's so cool. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's all historical fact. But uh, the way he wrote, I had a feeling that he really enjoyed yeah. the Panther tank, and there's nothing wrong with that. But like we said, free tanks, free parts, with the technology that was occurring, they could upgrade the Panthers a, a little in certain spots. I think it's a great deal. Well, Russ, I hate to say it, we're getting close to closing. Uh, where's Lightning? I don't know. I have not seen her yet today. All right. She must be underneath the couch. Yeah, she's napping in the sunshine somewhere. All right. Uh, let's do our Patreon shout-outs. All righty. We want to welcome... Two new patrons that just signed up here within the last week or so. We want to welcome Antonio Bernarda. You know, we're killing his name. I know we are. And, and he's been so cool. He has. A Antonio, 
is a specialist on uh, Portuguese uh, tank design. And I promise we're going to get to the Portuguese tank. Yeah. We have a pile of, like we said, we're never going to run out of tank, oh, no, tank talk. Oh, no, um, There's just so much. And, and we are planning to get, like, uh, Ed and Craig and Francis Pullman and a bunch of other big authors. Wouldn't it be great if we could get Hillary Doyle? Oh, wow. Oh, it'd oh, be fun to yeah. just listen to him yell at me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll even take his verbal abuse. Uh, uh, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, our second new patron is Slam Jaminton. We want to welcome him aboard to our Patreon program that we have. Uh, you guys, Slam Jaminton and, and uh, everybody else, send us your mailing address. Yes. If you don't want to use your re- real address, yeah. give us a P.O. box or something. We'll send you a coin. Oh, and we do have his. Oh, I We do have his address. Nice. We have, yeah. We've also got Antonio. So, yeah, you'll be getting your coins here within the next month or so, and we'll get those out to you. Excellent. Cool. Who else do we got? Still got Alejandro Martinez. Oh. Still with us. He's the man. He is. Got Born Ben. I love him. Yep. Still got Kevin Chin with us. I think he's still stuck in China. Still stuck in China. I I haven't heard from him. And as soon as he gets back, he usually messaged me the first thing. I think he messages me before anybody else (laughs) and sends pictures and stuff like that. So I'm hoping Kevin's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who else do we got? Still got ODS Thero. He's still with us. And good old Rick Smith. Rick. Rick, uh, we're going we're going to come see you, brother. We will. We we're we're, we're going to head your way. Yeah. Um but uh who was the guy that was talking about us going down to Texas? I forgot. Was that Born Ben? I, I I can't remember. I don't know. Uh somebody is a volunteer down in Drive what? Drive Tanks USA in Texas? Yeah. It's pretty close to the Mexican border. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about yeah, that earlier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to get down there and, and do some stuff eventually. And I think we said that was Born Ben. That's, yeah. Or no. No. I can't remember. Well, uh, well. I'll have to rewind the show and listen to it. It stinks getting old, guys. <laughs> it does. It does. We lose we, our we, memories. We, and, and, and our wow. car keys. Uh, and, <laughs> and our cat. We yeah, don't know where our cat's I don't know where our dang mascot went to today. <laughs> so... Russ, anything else? All I got to do is rattle the tuna can a little bit. She'll oh, come yeah, we'll do that as soon as we get done. Um, we have to sign this uh, uh, giveaway that we're going to do on YouTube, we just decided. Yeah. Our YouTube channel is, you know, not getting the thumbs up that we wanted. Yeah. So we are going to do the contest as soon as this episode comes out the next day. In the comments, we're going to put a picture of a tank and whoever, you know, messages or comments first on the correct uh tank you know what the tank is we're uh, gonna mail you uh this magazine that my daughter picked up in uh, england yeah about the mark one to mark five tanks and uh it's actually pretty cool but it is uh, russ is gonna sign it and yeah. i'm gonna sign it before we leave yeah and open a can of tuna yeah anything else russ I think that should do her for this one. Well, it's been a great episode. I learned a lot, and I'm going to get hit with all sorts of stuff from the French guys and the Panther lovers. But um, this is Charlie. And this is Russell. As always, happy tanking, and have a great week. (laughs) 